Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford, Woking and Aldershot in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. Good morning. Uh, it's great to be with you this morning. Uh, as Matt said, my name is Mike and I'm the Woking Associate Pastor. Uh, actually, recently the Woking Associate Pastor, been at Emmaus for three years and I've been serving at uh, the student ministry. But excitingly, uh, recently got to hand over the role to uh, two new student pastors, Robbie and Holly Back. And so uh, if you're in Guildford, do say hi to them. They are amazing. But this morning, uh, we are going to be uh, talking about a, a topic that really excites me. But why don't you open your Bibles if you have them or, or your apps on your phone to Matthew 18. Matthew 18 verses 1 to 5. And I want to talk to you about something which I feel like God has been speaking to me about, something which has really been uh, stirring my heart. And for some of you uh, this morning, this will feel like a, maybe a teaching, maybe new information but for a lot of you, it might fall like more of an exhortation, more of something that you already know that God might be stirring in your heart. And I know for me, that's what this season has felt like, that God has been exhorting me into what I would describe as first love. And so in a second, we're going to be reading Matthew 18, but I was feeling like God was talking to me recently and there were areas of my life that after uh, the pandemic as we're coming out that I thought were, I thought that were dead. I thought that they weren't alive, things of, uh, in, my, in my faith journey. And I felt like God said to me, Mike, those things in your heart which you think that are dead, they're not dead, but they're dormant. And you're entering into a season of reawakening. And I just believe this morning there's um, awakening happening in people's lives. And so why don't we just posture our hearts um, for Jesus to uh, speak to us as we go through this morning. And so Matthew 18, verse 1 to 5, and we're reading from the New King James Version. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them and said, Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. When I was growing up, I, um, I had a lot of allergies and I was allergic to, to cats and dogs and basically all animal with fur, but also like a bunch of like foods, like all dairy um, products or wheat products. And it was all fine. And one day I went to my friend Gerard's house for a sleepover and we were going and they had two cats and I was prepared. I had my antihistamine. I was about nine years old. And I took my, my tablets, my medicine, and I went over and everything was fine. And so we're sleeping and in the middle of the night, my medication must have started to wear off. And in the middle of the night, my, I started to react. And how I'd react to things is my chest would start to close, my airways would get smaller, I'd start to get hives everywhere. And as I remember, as a nine-year-old 
child being quite worried, quite scared, and we ended up calling the ambulance and they took me home and I had this moment with my dad. It was me, my dad and the ambulance drivers. And if any of you have had anything to do with your lungs uh, before, where they're constricted, they put you onto oxygen and you can start to breathe again. And in this moment of, uh, for me, of of fear, of um, like anxiety within myself, I remember my dad took me upstairs in our house and he brought the TV uh, into my room, which I wasn't allowed at the time, so it was a great moment for me and we watched a movie together and I've been thinking about that story quite a bit because the thing that I've been thinking about is when I look when I remember that story when I remember um, the allergies I remember the, the 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 chest my chest like contracting it wasn't the fear that I remember It wasn't the pain that I remember. It wasn't the ambulance drivers that I remember. It was the moment with my dad that I remember. And in the context of this this passage in Matthew 18, the disciples have just been on this journey with Jesus. And from the time they met Jesus to this moment, there's 12 of them. They've done everything together. They've seen amazing miracles. In fact, in this moment, I think these 12 people are the most accomplished on the earth in supernatural ministry. And then this, they find themselves in this moment. And it's a moment of almost like division, relational tension. And Jesus calls three of them, Peter, James and John, to go up the top of the mountain with them. There are these three that have more favour in this moment with Jesus than the other nine. And as they're up there and they're in this moment of, uh, of encounter, of seeing the transfiguration of Jesus, at the bottom of the mountain, there are uh, these other nine. And they're in this, this moment when there is this child who is being tormented by uh, a demon and they try and pray for the child. A moment which they've had many times before and done successfully. And they are unsuccessful. And they can't uh, actually deliver the child. And the three get down with Jesus and they, they pray for the child and the child is set free and everything is great. But you can imagine this moment within the disciples, this moment uh, of relational tension as the three are elevated above uh, the nine. And when they come down, the thing which the nine failed at, they, they seem to succeed at. You can imagine the questions going inside their mind. Who is the greatest? And so they pose this question to Jesus. And it's this moment of, of, of relational disconnection, of relational tension that this question comes out. Who, Jesus, is the greatest? And I love how, how Jesus answers. You know, I love how he brought a... Uh, a physical example to show them. You know, I heard someone say, uh, if you tell someone something, they'll forget it, but if you show them, they'll remember. And he brings in this great communication skill where he brings a prop, a little child. And he says, this child is the greatest. I love how he doesn't rebuke them for their question when their question was maybe out of the wrong spirit of arrogance or out of insecurity. He doesn't rebuke them, but he realigns them. He realigns their definition of greatness. He said, it's not a problem to want to be great. 
but your definition of greatness needs to be redefined. You see, Jesus' definition of greatness is childlikeness. And what does this have to do with, with first love? And the thing that I've been thinking about and the thing that God's been talking to me about is what is the characteristics of a child? And you could have a whole message on this, but I've been feeling like God's been speaking to me about one of the characteristics of a child is that a child draws their identity and their value from a father. And in this, in this moment with my dad, that the thing that I remember the most was my moment with my dad because he was the one that I was looking at. Because we always look at the thing which we draw our identity and that we draw our value from. And so Jesus draws this child in and he says, greatness is like this child because greatness keeps its eyes on the father. Greatness draws its identity and its value from the father. And Exodus 33, uh, if you've read it before, is this fascinating moment. And it's a story of, it's a story of Moses. And the story of Moses is an amazing one because he starts in this encounter in the wilderness of the burning bush. And from this encounter with God, he gets given increased responsibility. And so God comes to him and he reveals himself to Moses and he says, I want you to go and I want you to become a leader. You're going to go and you're going to lead millions of people into freedom. People who have been in captive for generations. And Moses goes fueled from this encounter. He goes and with the help of, of God, he, he sets the people free. And he starts to lead them into the wilderness. And he gets, again, increased responsibility. And he goes into more moments of encounter with God. But this moment in Exodus 33, again, you could do whole messages on it. But I believe is a test. It was a test from God to Moses. And in the test, Moses walks up this mountain to meet with God. And God says to him, he says, I'll give you the promised land, which is where they're going. So that's where Moses is leading the people to, this promised land. And he says, I'll give you the place you're going to, the thing you're, the thing you're wanting. I'll give it to you. But I won't go with you. And Moses, whose, whose journey started with God, whose journey started with just with God. And God says to him, you can have the promised land, but you can't have me. And Moses' response is staggering. Moses says, if you don't come with us, I'm not going to go. I won't go. I won't go if you don't go with us. And if you know the story, uh, God says, you can have the promised land and I will go with you. See, the issue wasn't the promise. The issue for Moses wasn't the promised land. The issue was what mattered more to him. The issue was where was he getting his identity and his value from? Because Moses' journey started in this burning bush. It started in this moment where he met God where he discovered something of his identity and his value. And as his journey went on, I believe that God was asking him, who or what are you looking for? 
to draw your value. And for us and for, for me, I know personally that as I encounter God, maybe he gives me more responsibility. He says, do you want to lead um, this? I just recently got married. I have more responsibility in that area. We have jobs, family. We, we grow in financial abundance sometimes. We get houses. We grow in these areas of responsibility. And it can be so easy to slip into seeing these things and seeing them as what we get our identity and our value from. And for me, and maybe for some of us today, the Lord is asking this question, who are you looking at? What are you looking at? Because the increased responsibilities, the promises of God, they're not the problem. The problem is what matters more. It's where are we getting our identity and value? You know, I'm reminded of what Jesus said to Martha. Martha, Martha, you're worried about many things, but Mary has chosen the better thing. And a few things are needed. In fact, only one. That's Luke 10, 14. And that one thing is, is a primary connection to Jesus. It's moving from my love relationship with Jesus. And in my, my life, I've done many jobs. Uh, I've been uh, a personal trainer. I've been a paintball marshal. I've been a, a data entry assistant. I've been a barista. I've been a gardener. Uh, and now I'll get to be uh, a pastor, which is what I feel like really I'm, I'm called to do. And one thing, one habit I had developed from these past jobs is I'd kept T-shirts. Wherever I'd got a uniform, I tried to keep the uniform. And I got it because it reminded me of where I've been. And I think about this phrase, I think about that I've been there, I've done that, I've got the T-shirt. And I think about that phrase because it reminds me I've learned something from that and I don't have to go and do it again. But recently, I've noticed that that phrase can be, can slip its way into my relationship with God. That I've been there, that I've done that, that I've got the t-shirts, but I don't want my faith journey to be like that. I don't want my faith journey to be one where I've had my moment with God and now I've been there, I've done that, I've got the t-shirt. I want my faith journey to be one which I push in deeper. Where I have moments with God and it makes me hungry for more. I think that's the call and I think that's what God was asking Moses. Have you been there? Have you done that? Have you got the t-shirt? Or do you still want me? Revelation 2, verse 2 to 5 says this, For I know, as Jesus talking to the church in Ephesus, and he says, For I know the works, your labour, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil, and that you have tested those who say they are apostles, and they have not, and you have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience, and have laboured for my name's sake, and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works, 
or else I will come quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. They'd been there. They'd got there. They'd, they'd been there. They'd done that. They'd got the T-shirt. They had more important things to do. See, there was nothing wrong with what they were doing. I love that Jesus commended them for their, for their acts, from these ministries that were birthed out of passion for Jesus. But the problem was they left the reason they'd started doing it. See, I want to be a person in my faith journey that operates more like the four-minute mile. You know, the, this, this, this story of the four-minute mile was impossible. It was an impossible um, feat that you could run a mile in four minutes. But once it was broken, it's now commonplace. That's how I want my faith journey to be, that I want uh, the testimonies of the people I'm around, the testimonies of my own life, to inspire me, to challenge me to go further in my relationship with God. I want to be rocked by the basics. I want to be rocked by the fact that there was a God who loved me and you so much that he came and he died because we were worth it. That he gave us the privilege of being co-laborers, children of God. He gave us purpose, significance, value, peace, joy, life, light, unhindered relationship, all because we were his and we are his. So I remember the first moment when I heard the good news of Jesus. I was 19 years old in a church called Central Hall. I remember sitting down and hearing that God loved me, that I was made in his image. And so because he was good, I am good that he died on a cross, that I could be free and that I had purpose and a destiny. It did something in me and I'm returning. Our love and our passion for Jesus is always supposed to fuel us into action, but we are never supposed to leave the reason. And for me, I feel like the Lord has and is slotting first love under, underneath is my foundations, under my action, that he is my reason for living. He is my reason for moving. And so what do we do now? What's the, what's the response? And, and for me, I'm encouraged by this, by this word, disciple. To be defined, learner. And I'm encouraged by it because it means for me that when I project forward in my life 10 years time, I want to be more in love with Jesus in that moment. I want to hold this message tighter in there. And because I want that, that means there'll be moments um, now which I'll have to learn. I'll have to grow in, I'll have to develop, I'll have to change. And I'm encouraged by that because it means that where I am right now is okay but it means that I get to make steps forward. And I believe that in Revelation 2, it gives us a couple of keys. And it's in verse 5, it says, Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works. And I believe those are two keys for us. Repent and repeat. Repent and do the first works. And this word repent, we know so well to be the changing of the way we think, but the process of repentance is really the acknowledgement of our current beliefs, our current mindsets, the issues in our current lives, and the confronting of a higher truth, the truth of Jesus. 
It's really to recognise a previous way, to see a better way, asking for help and making adjustment with the grace that Jesus gives us. And this morning, there is, for some of us, we're listening. There is that, that better way, the invitation into first love going underneath our actions, fueling us into activity, passion birthed again. But to repeat, to do what you did at first. You know, when I first heard that news at 19 years old, I can remember the things that I did. I can remember those things that that caused me to pursue Jesus, to pursue that deeper level of intimacy with him. What were those things that you did at first? Because it's one step at a time. But repent and do the things which you did at first. And in a second, we're going to go into worship. And I'd like to encourage you to take a moment for yourself with Jesus. But just to ask him, Jesus, what does first love look like for me? That if you're feeling stirred this morning, that you would invite him, like I've been doing in this season, to put that foundation back under your life. That we would respond to the invitation of Jesus, like he invited to the Ephesians, to remember your first love, to carry on with our responsibility, but we'd be like the ones of Moses that would say, we're not going to go any further unless you come with us. And so I'd like to invite you in worship to to repent if you need, to acknowledge uh, the higher way that Jesus is inviting us into. But I'd also like to invite you to do two other things, to remember the things which you did at first, and to be intentional to place those things into your life. But thirdly, to get accountable. That if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go with people. To get accountable, to really say to those people who are close, hey, this is where I'm at, this is what I'm going for. Can you actually help me to stay on the right track? And so I'm going to pray, and then we're going to head into worship. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for this invitation back into first love, for this love relationship with you. And right now, we ask you for the grace, for the grace that we might respond to your invitation today. Would you ignite passion more in our hearts where uh, we're listening today and we already feel passionate? Would you, uh, would you turn up the dial on that? Maybe, Jesus, there are people today that um, resonate with Uh, things inside that feel dormant, I ask that you would awaken those places today. And we commit this morning, we commit to a life of first love. We commit to a life we're fueled from encounter, fueled from our relationship with you. And we return this morning to the main thing, to the main thing of connection and relationship with you. Would you come, Jesus, and have our way, your way, in our life. In Jesus' name. Amen.